the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. It just shows how depraved the human heart is. You, you want to trade this for that? You have it so wonderful under King Jesus? Peace on earth? Talk about peace on earth, goodwill toward man. I mean, what a marvelous time it'll be. And you're going to trade that to go follow Satan to attack Jerusalem and the God of, of Israel. So it just proves how depraved the human heart is, which is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. One of our culture's favorite philosophies is that we should follow our hearts at all cost. Watch nearly any movie or read any novel or self-help book and you'll find this message front and center in probably 9 out of 10 of them. But as Pastor Gary will point out in today's message, Scripture makes it clear along with thousands of years of history. That's when men follow their hearts, they do wicked things. Your heart can't be trusted. Jesus alone is good and can conquer the evil that naturally resides in all of us. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 20 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Let me read verse 7 down through the end of the chapter, and then we'll go back and dig out these verses. So, Revelation 20, verse 7. Now, when the thousand years have expired, at the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth... And surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, which is Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
And so we have this transition here where the beginning of chapter 20, it tells us that uh, the millennial reign begins. Uh, Jesus is going to be reigning from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And his first order of business is to bind Satan and to cast him into the bottomless pit or the abusos, the abyss, for the duration of that millennial reign. So for a thousand years, Satan is under lock and key in this abyss, this, this um, you know, earthly cave that is somewhere in the center of the earth. And that's uh, found here in verse 1 of chapter 20, where this angel is given authority by God, comes down, binds Satan literally with a chain, and casts him into the abyss, the abyss for a thousand years. So you have to try to imagine life during that thousand years. Jesus is king. And there is no influence of Satan on the globe. It's going to be a wonderful day. But again, remember, um, there will still be people living on earth during that thousand years, having children over the course of that thousand years. And um, even though there is no Satan, because he's bound at the time, they still have a sinful nature. Every person is born with a sinful nature. David talked about this in, in the book of Psalms when he said, surely uh, from birth I, I, I was conceived in sin. And so uh, mankind is uh, born with a sin nature, with a propensity to sin, therefore. And so it's not like there's going to be no evil. It's not like there's going to be you know zero sin and, and, and zero um, evil in the world. It'll just be greatly diminished without the influence of Satan. But mankind, still survivors into the, tribu- into the millennial period, have a sin nature that has to be reckoned with. So there's still going to be sinful things happening on the earth, but Satan is going to be bound during that thousand years. Now, it tells us here at the beginning of the section we're looking at tonight in verse 7, that when the thousand years are over, that the Lord releases Satan again. And the question is, Why? I mean, we like him just fine where he is, in the bottomless pit, bound with chains. Uh, But God is going to release Satan one last time. And the reason is because you have to remember that people who are, uh, people who come into the millennial period of time, um, who still are in their fleshly bodies, and then they have children, and then they have children, successive generations are born during a thousand years. None of these people have ever really had to make much of a choice. Because if, if you've got King Jesus on the throne, and, and the world is at the greatest level of peace and joy that's ever experienced, and Jesus is king, you know, you, you've grown up in that. You, and perhaps you're even born and you died during that. You don't, there, there's not an opportunity for people to really make a profession of faith in Jesus when he's the only choice. And so God is going to allow Satan to be released so that the people of the millennial period in particular will have an opportunity to say, well, who, who are we going to choose now? You know, it's easy to choose Jesus when he's the only choice. But, but mankind still has to be able to exercise the free will that God has given him in order to make a decision for Christ. And so Satan is allowed one last time. And what's tragic here is that it tells us that he will go, in verse 8, and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. There's this reference here to Gog and Magog. Now, this is not 
Ezekiel 37 and 38. For those of you who love Bible prophecy, Ezekiel 37 and 38, talk about Gog and Magog, which is Russia. There's going to be this advancement of Russia and other nations against Israel. That's, that's pre-Armageddon. That's, that's like the forerunner. That's the harbinger of Armageddon. It leads eventually into Armageddon, but this is not that of Ezekiel 37 and 38. This is basically where, you know, Gog and Magog may still refer to Russia where Satan incites different nations, and among them might be, again, Russia. But he will deceive these nations and incite them to gather against God for another battle. Again, this is not Armageddon. Armageddon was, you know, a thousand years earlier from this. But he manages to incite enough nations to come together again in battle. And you know what's so disheartening? At the end of verse 8, it says, whose number is as the sand of the sea. It's not like Satan picks up a couple of nations with a couple of armies. He picks up so many nations here and so many uh, people who are wanting to fight against the Lord and, and against the, the nation of God, uh, Israel, that they, their number is as the sand of the sea. We'll talk, what can we learn from all this in a moment? And verse 9 says, they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints of the beloved city. So this is Jerusalem. They advance against Jerusalem. And as they do, God's like, enough is enough. And the end of verse 9 says, and fire came down from heaven, from God out of heaven, and devoured them. Amen. Yeah, amen is right. I mean, these, these armies advance against God one la- and as much as the sand of the seashore. And they come against Israel. They come against the God of Israel. And God is just like breathes out fire from heaven and destroys all these armies. Now, this can be concerning to us. What, what can we learn about the release of Satan after 1,000 years? First thing we need to be reminded of is that the heart is deceitful. The human heart is depraved. For people to be living in somewhat of a utopian society where everything is wonderful, and yet they still will abandon that to follow Satan... It just shows how depraved the human heart is. You, you want to trade this for that? You have it so wonderful under King Jesus? Peace on earth? Talking about peace on earth, goodwill toward man. I mean, what a marvelous time it'll be. And you're going to trade that to go follow Satan to attack Jerusalem and the God of, of Israel. So it just proves how depraved the human heart is, which is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. And then Jeremiah asked the question, who can understand it? It's a rhetorical question. It's like, you know, nobody, you can't even get your own heart. Right? And so the heart is depraved. It shows that. Number two, it also, what we can learn is Satan is powerfully deceptive to lure people away from a perfect world. Now, again, I put perfect in quotation marks because it's not yet heaven. It's thousand years on earth. It's pretty close to heaven, but it isn't heaven. There's still, there's still sin. Obviously, there's still rebellion. There's still disobedience. People are, are uh, wanting to wage war against God. Um, but it, it does prove just how powerful Satan's deception is. Be on your guard. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, he, and he's looking to devour you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to destroy you. And so when he is released... And, he's, and he manages to gather together so many armies against God that it, it says here it's as the sand of the sea. That is a statement about how powerfully deceptive he is to lure people away from such a perfect world. And then the third thing we, we learn from all this is that God is just in his judgments. I mean, you, you have Jesus comes, 
um, establishes his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. There's wonderful prosperity, peace, and joy. Um, people are living long lives. The animal kingdom is tame. You know, this is just wonderful. And yet people thumb their nose at God and say, I don't want any of this. I'm going to go follow Satan. And, and I'm going to come against you. I mean, it, it just proves that God is just in his judgments. If people are going to disobey God and thumb their nose at God after all that he's done, then it just is evidence, again, that his, uh, just, that his judgments are just. And so it tells us there in verse 10 that uh, at the end of that you know, attempt to uh, come against um, Jerusalem and the God of Israel, that verse 10, that the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. If you remember back at the end of chapter 19, at the end of chapter 19, the whole thing with um, uh, the return of Christ and uh, at the end of chapter 19, verse 20, it says, and then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. And these two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So see, they've already been there. They, they were there before the thousand years. So they've been there for a thousand years now. Satan was only put in the abyss the false prophet and the Antichrist were, were already put in the lake of fire. And now, after the thousand years, and Satan attempts another coup against God, and then Satan is judged here, the devil, and he is cast into the lake of fire where the Antichrist and the false prophet have been for the last thousand years. And notice again, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, the lake of fire is not hell. Hell is different. In fact, in a moment, we're going to see here that hell is actually going to be completely destroyed. It's not going to exist any, anymore. Uh, neither will death. That's a good thing, too. And uh, instead of hell being a place of torment, it's the lake of fire. Now, the lake of fire is something that Jesus referred to 11 times in the gospel. And he used an Aramaic word called Gehenna. Gehenna is a word that means lake of fire. And it is the place, the ultimate place, the final place where all those who are disobedient against God will end up, including the devil himself, the false prophet, and the Antichrist. Now, the lake of fire is perpetual suffering. Notice again there at the end of verse 10, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There is a false doctrine called the doctrine of annihilation, which teaches that A, either hell doesn't exist, or B, if it does exist, people, as soon as they enter it, are annihilated. They're burned up and they no longer exist. That is not true. The human soul never is extinguished. Did you know that? The human soul is never extinguished. You will either live out the rest of eternity with the Lord, or you will live out the rest of eternity separated from Him. Now, the Bible says God wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's His heart. That's why He sent Jesus to die on a cross. But it is your choice at that point where you're going to spend eternity. God does not predetermine that some will go to heaven and some will go to hell. That's a fatalistic view that I don't believe Scripture teaches. What the Bible teaches is, for God so loved the world, 
All right. For God so loved the world that whosoever, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay. So the invitation is to whosoever or as many as call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the invitation is open. You will spend your eternity based on the choice you make. God has offered heaven as a place to spend eternity with him. No one has to go to hell. No one has to end up in the lake of fire. That becomes a choice. And it is real, though. The existence is real. Uh, Despite even what some would say regarding not just the lake of fire, but the existence of hell even today. So back in 2018, uh, Pope Francis gave an interview with a, a journalist by the name of Eugenio Scalfari, and Scalfari asked the Pope, what about bad souls? Where are they punished? And the Pope answered, bad souls are not punished. This is Pope Francis. Those who do not repent and cannot therefore be forgiven disappear. There is no hell. There is the disappearance of sinful souls. That's not what the Bible teaches, Pope. I I hate to correct the Pope, but I'm telling you, the Bible is a higher authority than the papal authority. He didn't speak that, by the way, as a, as a, as a, you know, a statement from the Vatican. He just was making that as a statement to a journalist. But nevertheless, Pat Buchanan, if any of you follow, Pat Buchanan is a very conservative, uh, he ran for president a couple times, uh, uh, many years ago, but he's a very conservative Irish Catholic. He wrote an article in Newsmax in response to what the Pope said in 2018 and railed on the Pope. He, and Buchanan is Irish Catholic, and he railed on the Pope, saying, this is not biblical. What are you talking about, that there's no hell and that, and that people just disappear? Of course there's hell, and there's heaven. Make a choice. It's real. And they are punished here forever and ever. Well, now we get into verse 11 that talks about the great white throne. And let me, uh, before I read the rest of the verses, let me just kind of give you a synopsis as we head into the great white throne, what it is and what it isn't. Uh, first of all, it's important for everybody to know, because when we talk about, you know, there's a great white throne, there's this, there's this judgment of God, he's sitting on a throne. This is what John sees here. And people pass before him, and he, and he judges people. And so what we need to understand, first of all, is this is for unbelievers. The great white throne judgment is not for believers. Why? Here's the reason. Believers have either, number one, already died, okay, and gone to heaven, and either died... Um, you know, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, or died during the tribulation period who put their faith and trust in Jesus, those saints are coming back with Jesus for the millennial reign. Okay? So those saints, they're not going to be judged at the great white throne judgment. They've already died. They've already been glorified. They've been with God in heaven, with Jesus in heaven. They are returning with Jesus to rule and reign with him for the thousand years. They either, that's where believers were, or... At the end of the, of the uh, tribulation period, uh, there is a separation um, as to who is going to go into the millennial reign with Jesus and who will not. And it's given to us in Matthew chapter 25. It's where Jesus then judges between what he uses in allegorical terms, the sheep and the goats. The sheep represent the righteous, the believers, the goats represent the unrighteous and the unbelievers. Jesus makes a determination at the end of the seven years of tribulation. Just at the beginning of the millennial period, Jesus makes the determination 
who are the righteous who are going to go into the millennial reign with me? And so that's out of Matthew chapter 25. Let me just read that again and refresh our memories, and I'll, and I'll try to tie all this together, because I know the timeline can get a little confusing, so let me explain. Out of Matthew 25, this is what Jesus said, starting in verse 31. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Inherit now the millennial kingdom. You're going to come with me into the thousand year reign. But further down, Matthew 25, verse 41, and then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is what we're talking about, the lake of fire. So when you put Matthew 25 together with Revelation 20, here's what we need to understand. At the end of the seven years of tribulation, Jesus separates the righteous from the unrighteous. The unrighteous are going to go into the lake of fire. They're going to be punished. The righteous go with Jesus into the thousand-year reign. So you have to imagine the first makeup of the millennial kingdom will be only believers. Now, as successive generations are born, they may not all believe. But initially, the group of people who go into the millennial period are survivors from the tribulation who managed not to be beheaded because they didn't take the mark of the beast or worship him. That God had protected, including the 144,000 Jews, they go into the millennial kingdom, that's the righteous, and, and they make up the first generation of those in the millennial kingdom. So by the time you get to the end of the millennial kingdom of the thousand years, okay, the righteous, the, the believers... Uh, have already been been judged. And so the, the great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. And what we need to also understand about the great white throne judgment, it's going to be like a courtroom with a few notable differences. There will be no debate about guilt or innocence. There will be a prosecutor, but no defense. There will be a judge, but no jury. There will be sentencing without appeal. And there will be punishment without parole. And so... This is the great white throne judgment. It is to judge those who have died and who now need to be reviewed by God as to um, their uh, final destiny. But these are unbelievers. That's what the great white throne judgment is about. So here's what he says in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. That's the Lord from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Now, this is interesting. Because the Bible tells us not just here, but it tells us that heaven and earth will disappear because we're going to get into chapter 21 where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Peter saw this day too in 2 Peter 3, 7. He said, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. In 2 Peter 3.10, he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be 
in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.